Welcome to a special Tuesday edition of the Blue Jackets Monday Mailbag. I'm Bob McElligot, ready to take your questions, ready to see what's on your mind, see what you're thinking, see what you think that I'm thinking, all that stuff. We're going to do it right now. Just too bad nothing's going on, right? I mean, in the week since we sat down, the eight days, there's eight days a week, right? Yeah. A band said that once. Um, In the eight days since we have sat down together like this, nothing's happened. Nothing's going on, right? I mean, nothing. The Blue Jackets, since that time, were shut out in Winnipeg, uh, lost at home to Seattle, 7-4. to And then yesterday afternoon, had themselves a really nice 4-3 to shootout win over the Vancouver Canucks. Not an easy schedule. Everybody, the Blue Jackets are playing now. I mean, Winnipeg was top of the league when they faced off on Tuesday of last week. Uh, The Seattle Kraken was in the midst of an eight-game winning streak. When they improved upon that on Saturday, the Vancouver Canucks came into yesterday's game, having taken over the top spot in the league. So nothing comes easy. It is that time of the year. Nothing comes easy. But... But there's nothing going on. It's just kind of quiet, right? Really quiet. (laughs) Oh, sometimes you wish it was kind of quiet. Not this week. It's been full of drama. Much, much drama, as a matter of fact. So this, I, well, I was going to say I can assume. I don't have to assume. The questions that have already been sent to me on X at Bobby Mac Sports have confirmed, and I'm sure that any live questions I take from you, if you're with me live on X Spaces here today, I assume the live questions, and I know the pre-sent questions, lead this into being the Elvis show today. Not a surprise. Absolutely, positively, not a surprise. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, let's just get to the background as to why this is going to be the Elvis show and why this drama has unfolded here over the course of the last week. It's been going on beyond a week, but let's be honest. It really went into high gear this past week. So Elvis didn't play since December the 29th. If you recall, he started a game at Nationwide Arena against the Toronto Maple Leafs. He left that game after one period saying that he was ill. He left Spencer Martin, came in, the Blue Jackets win the game, all is well. Elvis was then scratched for the next three games. Again, recall, the Blue Jackets have three goaltenders. They dress two of them, and one is the odd man out. So Elvis was the odd man out. Daniil Tarasov was making the starts for the Blue Jackets, and he had some good starts. And the rhetoric... That was coming from the coaches was we have to see what we have in Daniil Tarasov, which, by the way, is not a lie, which is the absolute truth and something I have zero problem with. Because here you've got a guy that has the potential. We've talked about this a million times on this show. He has the potential to be a number one goaltender in the National Hockey League. He has a lot of comparisons to good goaltenders, mainly Andre Vasilevsky of the Tampa Bay Lightning. He compares a lot just in his makeup, his size, 
his athletic ability, the, the fact that they come from the same area and all that kind of stuff, that they the comparison is there. But you cannot be that guy if you are injured, if you are hurt all the time. And Daniil Tarasov, that has been his only problem in this organization, not being healthy enough. He started this year not healthy on the injured reserve. That's the reason Spencer Martin is here. Blue Jackets didn't really have a third guy. They were looking for somebody that could go to Cleveland and help out Jet Greaves, which they've never solved that to this point anyway because they got Spencer Martin because Daniil Tarasov was injured. Now, they figured Spencer Martin could go and and help at some point. The problem is that Spencer Martin has played well, and now they're afraid to put him on waivers that they might lose him for nothing, and then they're back to square one because if Tarasov were to get hurt again, now what are you going to do? Now you're going to be forced to bring up Jet Greaves. Now you're going to have nobody to play in Cleveland. Now you're not developing the way that you want to when it comes to your goalies, all that stuff. So Tarasov is healthy. Yes, he should play. Yes, they should play him in multiple games in a row to see where he is, where he's going, all that stuff. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Now, of course, with the three goalies and one being scratched, that kind of really puts more focus on this situation, especially when the guy who has been your number one now is not even dressing for games. Now, that being said, he's still practicing. There are things he was working on on his own or, you know, outside of a outside of having to play the games is what I mean. He was working on things. He was trying to get better. You're supposed to do that. He was taking a break. You know, he was ill, and then he was taking a break. He's come out of numerous games because he's been ill after a period or two. So he was taking a break. He was doing his work, but when it came to games, he was taking a break. And that was fine. So you thought, so I thought, but that's not what he thought. And he made those thoughts known just a couple of days ago. It was, uh, what, before the weekend? What was it, Friday? My days are all running together, Friday. So Friday, prior to the game against Seattle, um, Elvis talks and says, to paraphrase, says he's not happy says that he is not a number two and he's not a number three. Well, he first he said, I am the number three goalie, but I'm not a number two. I'm not a number three. I'm a starting goalie. That's what I am. That's what I want to be. That's what I'm going to be. He says that. And he says that, you know, his agent and he have talked and there's been talk with the organization about a new scenario, but I didn't request a trade. It's We're just talking about a new scenario. So that happens. Saturday addresses as the backup for Tarasov. Tarasov does not play well on Saturday. Didn't play well at all. He said it after the game. He basically said, look, I stunk today. I've got to be way better than that. But I have to take this as a lesson, and I have to get better from it. That's what he said. He apologized to his teammates after the game. Apologized to them for not being very good against the Seattle Kraken. So the stage was already set. I mean, at that point in time, you have one goaltender that's upset he's not playing. Then he backed up. The guy that started did not do well, and that was two games in a row where it was a little bit skittish. So now the stage is set for the starter to return. 
which is what happened yesterday afternoon. You know, you've had a coach that's been asked questions and he's made his comments. The organization has made their comments. The goaltender has made his comments. All of this stuff. So yesterday, Elvis gets a start. And Elvis played well. Turned aside 27 of 30. Got the game to overtime and then a shootout. And he stopped all four shooters in the shootout. And he got the win. All is well. Then he talked after the game yesterday. And... uh made the comment about there was a trade request. So, uh, look, if you didn't figure that out when they were talking about different scenarios, I don't care what the words are. You got to read between the lines. If you can't read between the lines, you were surprised yesterday. If you can read between the lines, it was just another day of business. But here's the bottom line. Now, a lot of people want to make out or make, make this out to be a terrible thing. Here, you've got a guy... That is disgruntled. He's asked to be traded. Well, what does that mean? How is he going to play? I thought he played fine yesterday. Played just fine. And look, if you really do want to be dealt, if you want to go somewhere, if you want somebody else to want you, you have to play well. There is no team that wants a goalie that is not playing well. And to take that a step further, there is no team that wants a high-priced goalie that is not playing well. They're just not going to take you. They're not going to come looking for you. They're not going to take you if you go on waivers. They don't need that. They don't want that. So you've got to be playing well. So whatever the situation is, I don't worry about this guy not giving effort or pulling the shoot or whatever you want to say. He's going to play well. He has to play well. He has no choice but to play well. But he wants to play well. Let's not forget that. It doesn't matter what is going on outside of that. He wants to play well. And he knows he has to play well. He said yesterday after the game, I had no choice. No, you didn't. You're absolutely right. No, you didn't. Just like when you decided to fight Tom Wilson in the Washington game in overtime, you had no choice but to win that game. And you didn't win it which led to the mocking photograph that went worldwide of the Capitals berating him as he left the ice. You had no choice. That one didn't work out. Yesterday, you had no choice, and it did work out. Played hard. Did well. So, you know, to me, it's, it's just a, it's not, it's not as big of a deal as it is being made out to be, and as it will be made out to be, quite honestly. So I'll answer your questions about it. But, you know, the guy's, the guy's going to play hard. He's got to play well. If he, if he wants that new scenario or change of scenery or whatever he wants, the only way you get there is by playing well. The better he plays, the better the team will be. Same with Daniil Tarasov. Yeah, he had a couple of stinkers. Okay. Well, you got to get back in there, and the better you play, the better everybody is. Very simple. So that's my general take on this. Again, I've already got a lot of questions. I'm sure I'm going to have more. If you want to ask me a question, if you're with me live on X Spaces right now, all you have to do is request to be a speaker. I'll bring you on. You can ask your question. I'll answer it. 
Those of you that have been here a lot, you know how it works. It's not hard. Nothing to it. Make it easy. If you don't want to ask your question live, and if you haven't sent me one yet, and you just want to get on X and send that question right to me, at Bobby Mac Sports is where you can find me there. So which direction do I want to go? Do I want to go live? Do I want to go present? Where do I want to go? Well, I don't know exactly what, uh, I don't know what Jordan has in mind today, but let's go live. Let's go live to Jordan here on the special Tuesday edition of the Monday Mailbag. Hello, Jordan. Hey, how you been, Bob? Good, how are you? It's good to hear everybody back. You know, what raises more the question is, like like you just said, Elvis doesn't want to be just a number two or number three netminder. He wants to keep that number one spot, you know, permanently if he wants to play well. You get what I'm saying? Yes. And, you know, even even I've heard, like, some rumors have thought that maybe Boone could be next, but I'm thinking that's not going to be, you know... I don't think it's ever going to happen because I could see Boone, you know, he could go to other places if he wanted to, but that's his choice though. Because I mean, how do you feel about Boone going to Toronto, you know, for the all-star match? For the all-star game or being yes, traded correct. to Toronto? You just mean just going to play in the all-star game? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Well, I feel great for him. I mean, he's been around for a long, long time. Uh, he's never had the opportunity, excuse me, never had the opportunity to be in the all-star game and festivities. So it is well-deserved, and it's in Toronto, so it's only a couple of hours from where he grew up. It's a a dream come true for him, for a guy whose dream was to get to the National Hockey League, and he's done that, and he's played in the league for a long time, and he's uh, been an invaluable part of this organization. How do I feel about him going to the All-Star game? I feel great. I think it's it's terrific for him, and it is a well-deserved opportunity. I think so too. And, you know, a lot of other like players, like even some of the legends have played, but, you know, it's the first time you've ever get to see even because last year I think Johnny went and then now uh, Boone gets an opportunity. So that's, that's amazing what you can see this organization has. Um, now, here's the one thing I've heard people on social media talking about firing Armo and John Davidson. What are your give and takes on that? And how do you see Pascal uh, going forward um, as, as this regular season comes to a close, like within the next few months, how do you, how do you see that? Well, you know, obviously there's uh, thank you, Jordan. I appreciate it. A lot of speculation out there about what could happen here. And I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here. I, I, I don't, um, you know, they want to see this team take strides. And we've seen some, but have they been big enough strides? Is it enough to, um, you know, I I think in some ways, have the strides been big enough to continue on this path or do we have to look at a different path? That's just the kind of sense that I, that's, and that's not a sense of this organization. That's just being around sports and, and knowing how things work. I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science here, right? Okay, last year you were really bad. This year you uh, expected to be contending for a playoff spot. Now you're not. Uh, you're not as bad as last year, but how much better are you than last year? That's when questions pop up and arise and all that stuff. So I understand the questions about that, but I don't know what's going to happen. But when it comes to Pascal Vincent, 
like I see a lot of people again, social media, the just the the worst place to be at times. I see a lot of people fire Pascal Vincent. He's not doing it the right way. He's not getting this team to where it needs to be. You've got to fire him. It's not happening. It's it's just not happening. I mean, look, you let Brad Larson go last year. You're still paying him this year. Mike Babcock didn't come. I don't know if he's getting any money because he didn't come. I know he he walked away, but you know, usually in the corporate world, if there's a walk away, there's some kind of an agreement. So I don't know what's going on there. But you are potentially paying a couple people already for a job they're not doing. And now you got this guy doing the job, which I would love to be in the position Pascal Vincent is right now. I would love it because when I put it like I just did to you, you're in a great spot. You're a first-year NHL head coach, and you know that you're going to get the opportunity to do things your way. You're going to get a chance to put this plan in place. Somebody that has coached hockey for 30 years, but has never done it at the highest level, who has thought about that for all of those years. Boy, if I ever had the job, this is what I would do. Boy, if I ever had the opportunity, I would approach it this way. 30 years, he has those thoughts. Finally, he's an NHL head coach in a situation with an organization where he is going to be able to put all of that into play. Do you like everything that he does? No. Do the players like everything that he does? No. Does that mean that he's not doing it the right way? No. He is really trying to create a sense of accountability and a sense of unity and a sense of team. Look, here's what here's what I think he's trying to do. He's trying to recreate what was here when John Tortorella was the coach. And that's hard to do as a first-year head coach in the National Hockey League because when a guy like Tortorella comes in and does it, look what he's done with the Flyers. Tell me what player on the Flyers didn't know what was coming when he got hired. They all did. They knew it. And if they didn't know it, all they had to do was ask Cam Atkinson or Scott Hartnell, who still works with the organization, or anybody that played for him before. They knew what was coming. And he was able to come in and do that because he had done it other places and it had results, okay? Pascal Vincent, maybe he had results in other places with it, but those other places would have been in the Quebec Major Junior League or in the American Hockey League and not at the National Hockey League level. So when he comes in and tries to do it, it gets looked at differently. I'm not saying so much by the players. I, I, I think if you're, if you're putting things into place and if the players see that you're doing it the right way. You have the right intentions. You have the right idea. Maybe you don't have the right personnel to do it, but you're as long as you're treating everybody equal and holding people accountable and all that stuff, the players will adapt to that and they'll play for you. And I think the players have played for them, for him. To the people on the outside like you and I, not if 
all that matters is in the room. Doesn't matter what you think. No offense. Doesn't matter what I think. Matters what they think. They are their own group. They, They are the people that are directly responsible and directly affecting everything that goes on. I think his intent is good. I think his approach has been good. Um, I, I think it's a Tortorella light. I mean, he doesn't have that same attitude. He is not as boisterous. He is uh, very, he's very well-spoken, and he's very thoughtful. When he talks, you can see that he doesn't just say words. He thinks about what he's going to say. And even in uh, after the worst losses, he doesn't let the emotion totally swallow him up. You know, that was actually one of the things I loved about John Tortorella. I loved when he would come in and just spout off and not take questions, <laughs> swear a couple of times and leave, you know, and it was entertaining. That's not Pascal Vincent. He's still going to be thoughtful, even in the most high emotion situations. So I like him. I like him as a person. I like what he's trying to do. Do I know if he's going to be able to complete the mission that he's put himself on, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's got, you know, he said the, the other day, I forget which game it was when I talked to him, it was either Winnipeg or Seattle. You know, he said to me, there are there's some things you would like to do or some accountability that you would like to hold, but when you have injuries and you don't have certain players available, you just can't do it. it makes total sense. At that time, Sean Corrali was out. Boone Jenner's been out now for a long time. Patrick Liney's been out for a long time. So, you know, I, I get it. You can only work with what you have. You can't you can't do anything about guys that aren't there. So again, I I think his um I think his ideas are good. I think he is really trying to to make a difference and make an impact. There's a lot of things that he does outside of the coaching of the team that I see him doing and people that he talks to and the way that he talks to people and um, how open he is and all these things. I'll just give you a case in point, all right? Sometimes when we fly to other cities for games, you know, sometimes we'll have guests on our plane. And, you know, whether they be contest winners or whether they be sponsors or whatever it is, um. I've seen coaches, you know, talk to these people and, you know, they're, they want to make them feel welcome and all that stuff. But Pascal just goes a little bit above and beyond on that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, walking back to their seat, introducing himself, talking to them, um, you know, really going out of his way every single time, even when things, things aren't going well, because, you know, sometimes as a coach, when things aren't going well, you don't want to talk to anybody. You don't want to talk to your significant other you don't want to talk to your other coaches you don't want to talk to the player you don't want to talk to anybody let alone a guest but I mean he understands he gets it he knows he knows it's a it's a big picture thing and he approaches everything as a big picture thing so all of that being said he's still a head coach of a team which makes him directly tied to the general manager that hired him so if there are changes then everything is in play All right, that is a really long answer to Jordan's question. I get it, but I want to put that all out there. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if they're making the strides that are needed to be made to keep everything status quo, but 
you know, when you ask me about Pascal Vincent, because I spend more time around him than uh, the others, that's what I want to tell you about him. I mean, it's easy to pick it apart. No, he should have done this. And why is he playing that guy? And why is Fantilli not getting these minutes? And where was he in overtime and all that stuff? Okay, yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. I understand. He's still a rookie head coach, okay, in the NHL. It's different from everywhere he's been. Um, but, again, he's had this plan. For 30 years, he's had a plan. And he's able to put it into play. And feels confident in it. Feels safe to be able to do it. And... How can you knock somebody for that? I can't. If I was there, there are things that I think all the time and tell me you don't do it. I know you do. I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care who you are. I know you do this. There are things that I sit and I think about at different times. And I think, man, if I was in charge of that, let me tell you what I would do. I wouldn't do what that person's doing or what that group is doing. No way. Because that stinks. I've got the right idea, and I would do it like this. I think about that stuff all the time, and I know you do too. He is no different. Pascal Vincent is no different, except for the fact that he's now in that spot, and he can do it. So there you go. Again, if you're live on uh, X Spaces with me and you want to jump on and ask me a question, all you have to do is request to be a speaker, and I will bring you up, and, uh, and you can ask that question. Okay. Well, since I don't have anybody queued up right now, I guess we'll go to X at Bobby Mac Sports and uh, get some of these things that have been sent to me. I might as well lump all this Elvis stuff together, right? Why not? Mr. Union Blue, what do you think it would take for the Blue Jackets and uh, Elvis for a Jack Campbell trade with the Edmonton Oilers? What do you think it would take for that to materialize? What would the Blue Jackets, uh, or would the Blue Jackets just buy Campbell out once it's completed, and what kind of assets would they be looking for in return? Well, I'll stop with that one. Look, Edmonton comes up a lot. I don't know if that one is still so much in play, to be honest with you, because um, their other goaltender, Skinner, has been playing much better lately. I was just talking with somebody from Edmonton the other day, and they said he's playing really well. Of course, when they made a coaching change, they stressed defense a little bit more, which has helped out the goalie. Can you believe it? Uh, so <laughs> anyway, uh, Skinner is playing better. So is if he's going to be the number one, then you're looking for a number two. And what do you want to get into for that? I can't see any way these two teams could make a deal without swapping those two goaltenders. And then I don't know. I don't know what comes after that, quite honestly. And any other assets, I don't know. You might just have to say, look, we got a problem, you got a problem. Let's just exchange problems and, and see if it works out. So I'm not sure I'm not sure what it would take for that. But I, again, I don't know I don't know if Edmonton is as hot and heavy as you may think they are. I just don't. Not sure. Uh, what else do I have here on? I'm just going to stay with all this Elvis stuff because I know I've got more of it. Here's one from Jared McWaiting for baseball. There's obviously some tension between Elvis and certain members of the Blue Jackets staff, but can you give some insight into how his teammates feel about him? Do they see him as a distraction or do they love to play in front of him? Well, Jared, I'll be honest. I have never gone to a member of this team or teams of the past since Elvis has been here and said to any one of them, 
I've never said to any of them, hey, do you like to play in front of Elvis? Never have asked that question. Never will ask that question. So, um, as far as insight that way, direct insight, I can't give you that. All I can say to you is this. Um, remember when Sergey Bobrovsky used to come out and do a lot of talking and, you know, say about how, you know, what he felt about himself and where he thought that he should be and what should be, uh, you know, what the position he thought that he should be in and, and all that stuff, the responsibilities he thought that he should have. Remember when he used to do that all the time? I mean, the guy had, he won a couple of Vesna trophies as the best goaltender in the world. Uh, remember when he used to come out and do all that stuff and talk about all those things? Like he talked all the time and, and he was always, no, he didn't. He didn't talk hardly ever. It was just action. It was all action. And he was, and still is, pretty good. Uh, let's see. Marcus says, why did the front office abandon the plan of a merzlikens Tarasov tandem to see what they have in Tarasov as he's coming back from injury? It seems like this front office is self-induced drama and not a great look. Merzlikens on a team with structured defense will only help his stats. Marcus, no offense. I do not understand what you're asking me here. I do not get it. Why did they abandon their plan of a merzlikens Tarasov tandem? When was that plan abandoned? Tarasov has been injured. They put him in. They had him start consecutive games there for a while to see how he would respond. After every game, before every game, Pascal Vincent would say, we got to see what we have here. We got to see if he can handle the load. So I don't understand why you think they've abandoned a plan. And what is self-induced drama? What are you talking about? I mean, Elvis went and talked about his situation. I, I get that, but that's not tied with doing away with that tandem. That was uh, supposed to be the tandem at the beginning of the year. And then Tarasov got hurt. And then Spencer Martin entered the picture. I just, I just don't understand. I don't understand the question. There's no plan that's been abandoned. And Tarasov didn't play well the last two starts. He set out. Elvis got back in yesterday. So they're both still playing. I, it doesn't matter if Tarasov was the backup yesterday or if it was Spencer Martin. That that matters not. Actually, I look. They talk about three goalies and how it's not ideal and. You only have two nets in practice, and you only have one net in the game, and it's it's too crowded. Personally, I think it's kind of great because if you have one guy that needs extra work, you can give him that extra work, and then you just scratch him. So you can you can skate him to death in the morning if you want to, and he doesn't even have to back up that night. So there's no chance of him having to get in the game because you normally, even if you have, uh, even if you need to do some hard work. You're never going to do it on a game day with a backup because you're afraid of him having to get into the game that night. So you can't burn him up in the morning. With three, you can. With three, guys can take a breath. They can get their work done. They don't have to worry about coming in to dress for the game. They can they can come in a little bit later. It's I, 
in many ways, I feel it's ideal. Do I think it's going to become a regular thing? No, I don't. Because you're, you know, again, you're eating up a roster spot there. But there are good things about it. We always talk about the bad things. Oh, it's too crowded. Uh, there's too many guys. Uh, somebody's going to have their feelings hurt. Or somebody's going to be upset. So what? You know who's not going to be upset? The guy that knows that he has stuff to work on and he's going to bust his tail and he doesn't have to come in and dress for the game and sit on the bench that night. He can bust his tail. He can go home. He can relax, get his energy back, come in at night, watch the game from the press box, and be ready to go the next day. Simple. If you have back-to-backs, you can have different goalies for, you know, you could, let's say you have back-to-back games, and you're going to start Elvis in one and Daniil in the other one. Well, then guess what? If you have three, you can dress one guy's the backup in each of those games, and then if you're playing, if you're starting, okay, that's one thing. If you're not starting this game, you're off. You get ready for tomorrow. Or, hey, you played your tail off yesterday. Take off today. There are a lot of good things to it as well, I think. Do the Does the bad outweigh the good? Maybe. But I'm just saying, it's not all the end of the world. Ah, where else do I want to go here? I want to get all this Elvis stuff out of the way. Uh, Heather says, I see the Oilers are interested in Elvis. If so, what do they have that we need? I would like to say I don't want to see Elvis leave, but I think a fresh start would be good for him, and some people have treated him awful. Uh, Since since losing Kivlenix, trades don't hurt as much. Thanks. Um, Okay, Heather. Uh, I already went through the only way I feel that that could, you could get that kind of a deal done. So anyway, I guess that's the Elvis stuff. I hope so. Because there's no sense in beating it to death. Whether you look, let me wrap all this up by saying this. And I should have said this a long time ago because it was in my head and then I forgot about it. I lost it in my own brain. But let me just say this to wrap all of this up, all right? Connor Hellebuck, the goaltender of the Winnipeg Jets, last year requested a trade. He did not want to be in Winnipeg. He wanted out. He had had enough. No fun anymore there for him. Wanted to go somewhere. He asked that last year. Summer came and went. They didn't trade him. You know what ended up happening? He changed his mind and signed a long-term deal. So my point to you is, there are times a player can request a trade for whatever reason, and then something changes. It happened with Connor Hellebuck. It can happen with any player at any position. So even if a request has been made, it doesn't mean it is ever going to come to fruition. Okay? Let's keep that in mind. Mr. Union Blue is next up on this special Tuesday edition of the Monday Mailbag. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Bob? Good. Switching gears. Uh, still on goaltenders, but switching gears a little bit. Um, it's uh, grown on my attention that a lot of people are talking about the goaltending pipeline a little bit more. Um, 
<clears throat> paying a little bit more attention to the guys that we have both on entry-level contracts as well as some of the guys we just have rights for. Um, I personally am pretty high on Jet Greaves. I've been had the chance to go up and see him in Cleveland a couple of times. I thought he's been um, bettering his play game by game this year. I thought he started out a little shaky, but since then he's been pretty solid for Cleveland. Um, Ivanov has been, Sergey Ivanov has been incredible over in the KHL this year from what I've seen. Um, so I'm just curious from your uh, perspective, what do you think the, how do you feel about the depth in the goaltending pipeline right now? How do you feel like about guys like Nolan Lalonde and Sergey and uh, Jack Reeves? Nolan Lalonde, I'm not sold on. Haven't been since they signed him. I know he had a good development camp and they signed him and that that's great. The other two guys, yeah, I mean, Jet Greaves, you got to like Jet Greaves. You, you, I love him as a person. Everybody does. Great person, great attitude, great personality, uh, and playing very well, as you said. And playing behind a very good team, you know, to go to what somebody else just said here about playing in front of a structured team. They are in Cleveland. They're structured. They're winning. They're having fun. And he's a part of it, a big part of it. So it's um, – He's in a perfect situation there right now, and he can very much grab the attention of the organization uh, through that. And you talked about Ivanov. I know he's he's playing. I, you know, read the same things you do and look at the same numbers, I'm sure, and that's good because I feel with goaltending, if you look around, I mean, here's what you don't want to become. You don't want to become the Carolina Hurricanes, who seem to always be a really good team that on paper looks like they should win the Stanley Cup, but they can't figure out the goaltending. And you go get a Frederick Anderson from somewhere else. To me, a Frederick Anderson that was good with the Anaheim Ducks, but not great, not a win you a Stanley Cup guy. Same with when he was in Toronto. Good, not great enough to win you a Stanley Cup. Um, to me, you've got to draft and develop your goaltenders or – do what the Blue Jackets did when they got Sergei Bobrovsky, which is find a young guy that's in a situation where he's not going to get a chance in the organization that he's in, find a way to pry him out of there, and give him that opportunity with you. So, um, from that standpoint, you know, as you brought up the names, I I think you've got two guys there right now, so it's not really a, a deep pool, and maybe you know, in upcoming drafts, it'll get addressed a little bit more. I don't know, but, um, yeah, from, from that standpoint, you're, uh, not a lot of wiggle room there. How, how's that? Does that, that make sense? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, uh, two strong prospects, but certainly after that it's question marks, it's about what I've seen myself. Yeah. Now all that being said, I think when it comes to a backup goaltender, like let's say Daniil Tarasov is healthy and he's playing the way he's projected to play. And let's say Elvis moves on and Tarasov's going to be your guy. You can always find a backup guy. You, I mean, you can always find the the Yaroslav Halaks and uh, the Thomas Grices, those kind of guys that have been around. And what you need them to do is play 25 games for you a year and do me a favor and win the bulk of those games, would you? So you can always find that. But it's about having the, the draft and develop guy or the young guy that you're able to get from somebody else to – to uh, to groom them in your organization, so I do think that. So even though even though that the pool may not be very deep with the prospects, if you get one to pan out, you can find that 
that veteran that can come in and help to mentor him in the league and and to um, you know be there to to pick up those wins that you need when your number one guy has a day off. For sure, and it's uh, I mean hopefully they're able to develop one of the guys in the pipeline. I, I'm high on Ivanov, even though he's t- teeny tiny. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah. Still, still excited about the both of those, both of those guys here in the future. Well, you know, UC Soros is not a big guy in Nashville, but he's he's done pretty well since he's taken over there. <laughs> that's that's very true, very true. All right, thanks for being on the show today. Appreciate it very much. Of course, we're doing this uh, special Tuesday edition because we had the Monday afternoon game yesterday, and we're not going to let this thing go. Uh, we're not going to let this go forever, especially with the stuff that's going on. We got to talk about the stuff that's going on, don't we? Yes, is the answer. Yes, we do. Um, here's a question it says, is it time to move on from Boone Jenner, Zach Wierenski and or Patrick line? I know it won't be fan friendly, but these guys are hurt year after year and the cap space can be used towards signing the young Russians, Kent Johnson, Adam Fantilli, uh, to long-term deals. Well, look, is it time to move away from those guys? No. Well, at least not two of the three of them. I wouldn't move away from Boone Jenner, although I know that, this year, just like every year when the Blue Jackets are not in the playoffs, you're going to have teams that are looking for a playoff performer, a guy that is going to be that missing piece to help them get to the Stanley Cup, and Boone Jenner fits that description. If I was a team that was looking for uh, a veteran presence with grit and a guy that's going to give me everything he has, every game he plays, I would be calling about Boone Jenner. Also, if I were the general manager here and I already had Boone Jenner and I'm rebuilding and I think I'm going to get back to the postseason in a relatively short time, I would not entertain those calls. There would have to be a lot given to me for me to take the call. So, I would stay with Boone Jenner. Zach Wierenski, look, and Jenner, yeah, he's had injuries. He had a back thing. Okay, that's that's one thing. Last year, he missed time because he had a broken thumb because he got hit with a shot. You can't control that. This year, he's out because he got hit in the jaw with a puck. You can't control that, okay? It's not like a chronic injury thing. It's not like, hey, there's something wrong with you, and this is never going to go away. You know what's wrong with Boone Jenner? He plays too hard, which you never want to take away anyhow. So there's that for him. Zach Wierenski, same thing. Last year, shoulder injury, freak freak incident the way he got hit uh, this year, a couple of injuries. I mean, Look at the one he's he's got now. He gets tangled up with Andre Pallott. Andre Pallott loses his edge, falls on the ice, and Zach trips over him and twists his ankle. I mean, you can't predict that. You can't say, well, this guy's a problem. You know, uh, he can't jump over guys that fall down in front of him. So, no, I wouldn't move away from Zach Wierenski at all. I mean, look look how different this defense is without Zach Wierenski. And I, I mean, the he was playing really, really well when he got hurt. He was back to old form before he got hurt. So you feel the effects of not having him in there. So I would not walk away from him. Patrick Laine. Mm. Do you feel strange, as I do, looking at a player that has, in his career, scored 40 goals in a year? And you have him on your team, but yet you're wondering if the situation might be better for him and for you 
if you took a call or two on him. Now, he's got a big contract. It's not going to be easy to move, all of that stuff. Um, I, I feel weird saying that, but I'm also, you know, I'm looking at, look, he's been out this year now, what, a couple of times, and he started practicing the other day, so he's getting closer to coming back. Is he going to change his team tremendously when he comes back? I don't think so. Could he? Could he? Yes, he could. Do I think that he will? No, I don't. I had a question last week. Where are you going to put him? Who are you going to play him with? Look, Johnny Gaudreau, the last two games, has played with Cole Sillinger and Igor Chinikov. And that has worked. Now, it's only two games. It's a very small sample size. But you know what hasn't worked since Johnny got here? Johnny and Patrick on the same line, on the same power play. I can't tell you why. I don't know if they can tell you why. But it's just not there. So, of the three you asked me about, one of those three I would entertain getting away from. And it ain't Jenner, and it ain't Wierenski. And I know, that ain't good English. I get it. Uh, what else do I have here? Uh, I have, oh, Morgan Bennett says, assuming that uh, Denton Matejchuk and Stanislav Svozil are ready soon, what are we doing on defense we have Wierenski and Severson long-term. Juracek, Goodbranson is now a leader and here for a few more years. Peak, Boquist, Blankenberg all seem pushed out, but what seems to be the best contract slash future situation? Well, you didn't even mention Provorov, so I guess you've already crossed him off the list, which he might be. Not that he hasn't played well, but you know he might be one of those guys where he could be a deadline deal and you know, when you're looking uh, for something else. But um, Andrew Peak, we're going to talk to him tomorrow night on the Inside Edge. I want to talk to him. He's finally played in the last two games. Uh, this guy has been a consummate professional. There's no way he's happy with the amount of time that he has spent not playing as opposed to playing. And he never says a word about it. He just goes about his business, as Torch used to say, and waits for his opportunity and then does the best that he can when he gets the opportunity. I said this last week. I'll say it again. I wish they could find him a home, and maybe they will by the deadline. Let him go somewhere where he's going to get a chance to play. It's obviously not going to be here. They have a lot of right-shot defensemen, guys. As you mentioned, Yerchek is a first-round pick. He's already up here playing. Uh, Blankenberg has always provided a spark. He's a right shot. Boquist is a right shot. When you know Adam, Adam has been a difference maker. I think when he's been healthy this year, and he's getting back to that now, playing alongside Severson. So, you know, Andrew Peak, let him go somewhere where he's going to play. Give him that opportunity. You know, he's been a good soldier for you. Be that for him. Get him somewhere where he can play. He'll appreciate it. You'll appreciate him. You'll you'll part ways amicably. It'll be great. So he's off the list. And I hate to say that because I love the guy. He's off the list. Again, Boquist is playing really well. Is he playing well enough that you're going to keep him around with those other guys coming into the picture, or are you going to use him as a trade chip? You might use him as a trade chip. 
Blankenberg, here's a guy I feel sorry for because I, I just, when you, I love the guy. I love how he plays, and I love his passion. We were talking about injuries earlier. Again, he's on the shelf. He plays so hard. He's so small, and he plays so hard that it just gets him into not ideal situations and hurt. So maybe he turns out to be a, an extra guy, but Matejchuk eventually is going to play. And I know many of you are ready for that to happen next year. I am not. I think he should get the Svozil treatment, go to the American Hockey League. I think David Yurchek should be in the American Hockey League right now, getting more meaningful minutes, playing on the top power play. I think it would be better for his development. Okay? Um, and again, it's not that he plays bad when he's here, but like right now, they've scratched him the last two games. They want to get Peak in there. There's probably, you know, there, there's probably... Uh, part of having peak play to let other teams see that he's playing. You want to showcase him because you are trying to move him. Um, so, but you're a check. Look, if he's in Cleveland, he's playing 25 minutes a night, right? He's playing on the top power play. All of that stuff is invaluable. So I think that's where Matejchuk should go. If Matejchuk goes there next year and we don't see him again until the following camp, I have no problem with that, especially with defensemen because it takes time. Peter says, why does it feel like the Blue Jackets can never have players score like other teams do? Quinn Hughes has twice as many points as anybody on the Blue Jackets as a defenseman. Well, Quinn Hughes was also a seventh overall pick. So you got to get you got to get high picks, and then you got to get them in the right situation. Uh, Adam Fantilli is going to be like that. It's just going to take him some time. But Quinn Hughes, is he's got great talent. There's no doubt about it. He does have great talent. And that was on display yesterday afternoon. Although, his team didn't win when it was all said and done. So, all right, I need some, uh, what do I need? A soothsayer, a man of reason, I don't know, whatever you want to call him, but Lester always has good thoughts. Lester, welcome to the show. No, no, no. I, I won't deny any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, it was my understanding the Edmonton, uh, or yeah, the Elvis to Edmonton trade that left that train left the station a long time ago. Yeah. And and really, you brought up a good point. Connor Hellbuck did smooth out things up there in Winnipeg, so I, I'm not going to worry too much about what Elvis has said, or you know. I'll just let that stuff take care of itself. Look, he's mad. He's obviously, he said he was mad. He literally said that. He said he was mad. And he's upset. And I, I have no problem with a guy having passion and being upset. I do have a little bit of a problem with the, uh, uh, I'm going to let the monster out in me or take the monster out in me. That's uh, this year's thing. Last year it was uh, during the All-Star break. I went into the ocean and I screamed it out. And I, look, that that stuff, just don't. Just yeah. play. Just play. If you, you want to request a trade, that's that's fine. As you said, it can be worked out. Maybe you change your mind. Just play. Don't talk to me about playing. Just play. Use your actions as words, and we're all going to be happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here when I say this. I know factually the Blue Jackets had three scouts watching the Florida Panthers last week. 
And if there might be a place to send Andrew Peak because he's from the area, or you might be able to work out a deal, that might be one of the places. And, and what's kind of intriguing about them is they've got a young goalie who they were very high on. They gave him a huge contract, and now he's playing for the Carolina Checkers. I'm talking about Spencer Knight. They gave him three years at $4.5 million per, which really raised an eyebrow with me because they were already paying Bobrovsky $10 million a year. And I thought, wow. And uh, I have to wonder why he's fallen out of favor there. And maybe well, he went, into the, he, he went into the – I'm going to say that I guess it's technically it's called the substance abuse program, but he wasn't in there for that. What is, what does he have obsessive uh, compulsive disorder or something like that that he went through? Not sure. Yeah. I, I think he has, I think he has very high OCD. I think that's what it was. If I'm, I hope I'm not wrong on this because this is not something you should be wrong about, but he, he had a, he had a condition like that and, and that's kind of, put him off the rails a little bit, and that got him out of the picture in Florida, and that's why he's in the American Hockey League. Interesting. Well, you know, I'm a fan of the Toronto Blue Jays baseball team. They used to have a radio announcer named Jerry Howarth. He retired a couple of years ago. Oh, I remember Jerry quite well. I worked with him a couple of times because I was in AAA when uh, we were affiliated with the Blue Jays, and uh, I'd see him at spring training. I did some work with him in spring training, and uh, I did what I do, one or two, I think one time in Cleveland, and one time in Toronto, I went on with him. Yeah. Great man. Great man. Yeah. Well, he was very OCD. And I heard him admit this on a radio broadcast one day. He would show up at the broadcast booth three hours early with Lysol and scrub the place down. I believe that. Especially, oh, when he was on the road. I mean, he was, yeah, he was not into dirt or germs or anything being out of order. He really wasn't. But anyway, to get to the point of why I called you today, um, I think one thing that kind of um, skews the fans' perceptions of the Blue Jackets, if you go back three years ago to the uh, shortened COVID season, 32 games in, they were in a playoff spot, and then they fell off a cliff. They lost 19 of their last 24, and the handwriting was on the wall, and they started unloading people. They got rid of Ryan Murray, David Savard, Nick Felino. Uh, Seth Jones was moved, Cam Atkinson was moved, and going into that 21-22 season, prognosticators had them somewhere in the upper 40s to upper 50s in points. Instead, they went out and shocked the world and had an 81-point season, and a lot of that was fueled by the fact they took 44 of 64 points possible against the Western Conference, including a sweep of Colorado. So all of a sudden, instead of looking at a team that was in a rebuild and, and really probably wasn't as good as the 81 points would indicate, they had Johnny Gaudreau and all of a sudden everybody thinks you got a playoff team. They had a lot of injuries last year. So people said, well, they didn't advance because they had the injuries. But this year they've been, well, not completely healthy, much healthier. They've got some interesting young players, but they haven't quite performed to the level everybody expects. But uh, these rebuilds take a while, and I really do think that maybe in some ways they're right where they should be. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. Um, you know, I saw, I just saw on social media a couple days ago somebody saying maybe Yarmo shouldn't have taken that call from Johnny Gaudreau. And I understand that, but, I mean, because it did, it kind of it changed the – trajectory of what you're doing like you're you're rebuilding and then all of a sudden this guy wants to come and now you're trying to put it into warp speed and, and you have to get rid of a guy like Bjorkstrand and all that stuff but 
but you can't not take that call when the top free agent wants to come play for you. So yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand where you're going with that. And I, you know, I think you're right. And even going into this season, like I know that they were talking about making the playoffs, but I always thought the reality was they should be able to move ahead of where they were last year. But you know, I, my line was during the summer and at the start of the season, I don't know that you're ready to make the playoffs, but you better be close. And unfortunately they're not ready to make the playoffs. And because of the struggles this year, they're not close. Well, there's, there's one thing that I'm watching very closely, and I think it's going to be the harbinger that's going to tell me when they're really, truly ready to turn the corner, take the next step, and really compete. They've got to play better in the Metropolitan Division. If you go back to that year two years ago, they went 9-17 and 17 in the division, which is about a 36% winning percentage. This year, they're 3-8-3, and three, and so they've only taken 9 of a possible 28 points, so they're sitting right at around 32%. When I see this team starting to play better in the Metropolitan Division and they start getting that up above 500, then I'm going to know that they're finally ready to do what I think they need to do. Right, right, because that's obviously that's where the bulk of your games are. You're playing all those teams right. four times. So Yeah, you know, if you look right now, they got nine points in division play. Surprisingly, the team right now with the most points is Washington with 23. Yeah. That's because they've played a lot of games in the division. I think they've already played like uh, 19 out of 26. They're already done. Washington's already done with the Rangers, the Islanders, and the Blue Jackets. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I don't like what the schedule makes. I don't like that either. Play. I'd save some of that. Look, not that the Blue Jackets are in the playoffs, and who knows if the Capitals will be or not, but what whatever happened to saving some of those games for late in the season in case you're looking to make some – moves within the division right right so by the way i was right i've looked this up i was correct about spencer Knight. it was uh that's what it was ocd that uh that had him kind of not kind of had him lose his his spot there in florida something he started dealing with when he was at uh, boston college and uh, i guess he thought he had it under control but that was not the case when he was in the, the in the nhl so that's what kind of set him back a little bit however to what I was saying earlier about you either draft and develop goaltenders or you find a young guy that is not going to get the opportunity in his organization and you find one in yours. I guess if if he can, you know, get over that aspect of things, that would potentially fit that category, right? Yes. Hey, uh, before we go, do you yeah. mind if I ask you a question? No. Um, did you ever find out what it was you were allergic to? Not specifically. I went uh, to an allergist this week. Had a lot of tests, a lot of blood work they took. So I'm waiting for the uh, the results of that. And um, you know, they said it could be connected with some other things. So I'm, I'm just I'm I'm waiting for that result. I get like when the girl got out the vials for the blood. I asked her if she was going to leave any in me, and she oh, said, yeah. "Well, enough that you can get back to the car." So <laughs> so wow. um, I'm waiting for that. To answer a question that you asked on Instagram, I'm in my 60s. In my mid-30s, I suddenly turned up allergic to citric acid and peanut oil. So something like that can come on you later in life. And I I caught a fluke. I was working at a hotel at the time, and a woman came in from England who happened to be an allergist, and she was staying for two weeks, and she had me keep a diary of every single thing that I ate, and then when I had my reactions, and she was able to pinpoint it. Wow. 
So I, I got lucky there. But the other thing I'd say to you real quick is when that happened to you, you'd just come back from Canada. And up in Canada, there's things that are approved for consumption there that are not down here and vice versa. Like they put saccharin in their soda pop and makes it taste terrible. But that's banned down here because it seemed to be a cancer-causing agent. And I have to wonder if you got a hold of something up there that you would never come in contact with down here, and that's what caused the reaction. Oh, that's and interesting. And I was just going to suggest to you, when you go to Canada next week, you might want to keep a diary of everything you eat and what time you ate it. And if something were to happen again, to get a, a time on when the reaction happened, and that might uh, that might shed some light on it. I, I don't know that that's true, but it's just an idea. No, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. Is that why they, the soda tastes terrible there, really? Yeah, they put saccharin in it. There's no sugar in it. Oh, because it tastes so different. All I can drink when I go there is ginger ale. Yeah. Everything else tastes terrible to me. Yeah, anytime I'd go up there, I always took my own soda pop. I knew better. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's a very smart move. Thank you for the advice. I appreciate it, Lester. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Have a good week. All right, thanks. You too. All right, a special Tuesday edition of the Monday Mailbag. Getting ready to uh, wrap it up here. I got time for one more, and uh, that one more. That I'm going to welcome in today is Troy. Hello, Troy. Welcome to the show. Hey, Bob. How's it going? Good. Just finished shoveling my grandpa out of his house. So I'm freezing, but I'm good. And I have a question. You got that much snow? Uh, it's not that it's that much snow. It's that it rained a little bit over the top. Oh. It's really heavy. So for an oh, old that's man, the worst. it's a little bit too much work. It started out to be powder, it didn't end that way by the time we woke up this morning. I was so happy to, quote, unquote, shovel with a leaf blower today. <laughs> oh, man. So I'm on uh, capfriendly.com, and next to the years remaining on players' contracts, they all say either unrestricted free agent or restricted free agent, besides Kent Johnson, where it says 10 to c What does that mean? That is my first question. What does you. it say, 10 to c Yes. Is that something having to do with maybe like him coming out of college that one year at the end of the season or something? Does that ha does the 10 to C mean that there's a different protocol with his contract when it's up in terms of being restricted or not? And I'm very confused at what that is because I was taking a gander at cap friendly today and he's one of the few players that I've seen with this 10 to C stipulation. And I'm not entirely familiar of what it is. Who, uh, are there any other players that have it that you're looking at? Not on the blue jackets, not on the blue jackets. Huh? Let me see. I don't, the, the answer to the question, I don't know. I never go on this site. So I, I'm really unsure. Is there another player that, uh, that you saw on another team that you can think of? I'm just looking to make comparisons, that's all. I'm pretty sure Johnny Gaudreau used to have a 10-2-C when he was with Calgary. I I'm, I think. Hmm. I think he did. Did he come out early? Did he? Do, I don't know if he did that thing like Kent Johnson where they burned the first year for a minimum number of games, you know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I'm at a loss. Like I said, I... I I hate salary cap stuff, and I never look at it. I'm just, I can't even find, where the heck is Kent Johnson? Oh, there he is. 
Where are you seeing that 102C? Because I'm on this site and I'm just looking at the main page here. It shows he's on an entry level contract. But I don't see. Oh, 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 over here, over at the at the end here. Uh, it says, "Oh, did you click on that 102C thing?" No, I, I did not. Click All right. On well, it. here I just did, and here's what it says. This player has not accrued the necessary amount of professional seasons required for Group 2 re, uh, restricted free agent status. They are ineligible for an offer sheet. Oh, that's why, because he's only in the second year of his uh, of his deal. So you can't do anything until he gets beyond that. So that's what that is. So he's not eligible for an offer sheet, which means no Correct. team can steal him from right. us. That's, that's very Yeah, he's good. on his entry-level contract for the three years, so he's, yeah. Yeah, that's all that means. Thank God I was able right. to accidentally click on that thing and <laughs> figure it out. Thank you. And I wanted to bring up uh, an observation that I had last game. Okay. Obviously, Voronkov had a fantastic game. But I honestly find it – I obviously, it's harder to come by centers in this market in the NHL. But I feel like with him on the wing, it almost seems like he's more effective because of the board battles. And I feel like there's not many guys that come in, that go into those 50-50 board battles with him and get the puck off of him. You know what I mean? I'm not saying he doesn't have good awareness to be yeah. in the middle of the ice, but I'm just saying. You're I saying he's like big and he's size. strong and he's hard to pry the puck away from for a lot of wingers in the league. Yeah, and if you have him, like, you, do you remember that move last game, that, he, that power move he made to the net from the right wing? Yes, where he didn't score. Yep. I mean, seriously, I mean, that's a freight train going towards the net. If you have that guy scooping pucks off the half board and centering them to skilled players like Marchenko and others, I mean, that's – and this guy, he'll also seem twice as fast as he has in every other game that I've watched him this year. He was flying yesterday. Who said that yesterday? Chinikov, I think, said that after the game about how there fast a- Voronkov was yesterday. He had this one where the Jack has turned it over in the offensive zone, and he looked like he did the Fred, the Fred Flintstone run where he was <laughs> stuck in place, and then he beat the guy out to the half boards to get the puck off the wall. Yeah. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, but you're right about the fact that you, know, you don't have centers. Like, you don't – he's got to be a center as this team is right now, right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be, but that's I, ideally because look at what you're looking at here. Um, Fantilli is going to be a centerman. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you've got, um, you know, Voronkov, Corrali is, you know, ideally, I think Boone goes, if Boone got traded to a playoff team, it'd be a winger. It'd be a bottom six winger, more than likely, right? So, you know, he's playing center, but should, I mean, if you had better options, he wouldn't be, is what I'm trying to say. You just don't have options here. Right now, you got Roslovic that can play in the middle. Uh, is he a long-term fix? It doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Um, Kent Johnson, somebody just asked me the other day, is Kent Johnson ever going to play center? <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't look like it, if you ask me. Um, because if he is, why wouldn't you be throwing him in that spot instead of Justin Danforth? Um, so so I don't know. But, yeah, I, yeah, he's a big guy. He can work well on the boards, but – you would have to have somebody else who could play in the middle to be able to make that adjustment. Yeah, and there's and the upcoming free agents. Oh, Sillinger. I kept forgetting about Sillinger. Sorry. I was drawing a blank. Oh. How can I the guy that's played the best for the last two and a half weeks is the guy that I couldn't put my finger on. So there it is. 
Oh yeah, that uh, between the legs deke he had against Quinn Hughes the other day. Was oh, just tough. his over. Yeah, it was, but I mean, just his overall play. He's just been, um, it's been really impressive. Really impressive. Yeah, I really appreciate his snarl and willingness to get in there with all these other players because obviously he's not the largest guy, but he's got he's got some fight in him, and I really appreciate that on our team. No doubt. And one more comment about these. Obviously, everyone knows this upcoming free agent window. There's a ton of big guys, but not a lot of them are centers. So I feel like the development from within is probably the path we're going towards here because it's at least with the high-profile names coming up on free agency, it seems rather unlikely that one of them would end up here. I would agree with that. And plus, as we were talking about, the position that you're in right now, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know where it's going, but I don't know that going out and, and signing free agents is necessarily the path they're going to take. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, and I totally agree because when I watch this team, obviously there's flashes of brilliance here, especially in the offensive side of the puck. I mean, every game—not not every game, but the majority of games that I watch—I'm thrilled with what I see on offense every time. It's kind of just the team leaking goals is really the only thing that has basically put us the team in the situation that they are in currently. And I honestly like feel like the more time that these players stay with each other and when the extra cap space presents itself at the end of the season and we could extend these young guys that we want, I feel like there's a good group of young forwards that we really can build around in the top six. No, I, I agree with that. I think your, your priority should be locking up those guys, you know, whether it's a short-term thing now or whether you go decide when you go long-term or whatever, that's, to me, I agree with you. That would be the priority. If Kent Johnson's going to be a big part of what you do in the future, if you think Kent Johnson's going to be a big part of you being a playoff team and a Stanley Cup contender, get it done. Um, you know, that kind of thing. I, I think that's that's where you need, where you need to look and, and develop those players. Yes, and my final thing I wanted to say is I, not last show, but I think maybe a few further back, I mentioned how Johnny Gaudreau is a left-hander who likes to play on the left wing, so the play is almost entirely in front of him or to his right side, if that makes sense. Yep. And there was, I've seen some stats on the internet. I'm sure that the source was reliable. Most people don't post fake stats, but at the end of the day, Johnny Gaudreau, had the most completed slot passes, not the most, top five most completed slot passes in the last calendar year. And I brought up that having a left-handed shooter on his line would benefit him massively because it seems like a lot of his wingers are, at even strength, are right-handed, and they're shooting on their offside on the right side of the ice. And with Chinikov playing on his Johnny Gaudreau's wing as a left-handed shot, we're seeing a lot more pucks get on net with the line he's on and more chances being generated. And uh, I honestly think, although Johnny Gaudreau's not getting the most goals and assists, I think he's generating tons of chances. I mean, when I'm watching these games, he looks, these last stretch of 10 games, he looks unreal. All of a sudden, with Chinikov, he has found, or they have found a combination of one guy that really wants to set up plays and another guy that is willing to shoot the puck from any spot on the ice. And I had talked earlier about the fact that Gaudreau and line A, for whatever reason, just doesn't work. And maybe that's the reason. Because 
Patrick has been more of, instead of a shooter, oh, he got it to me. Well, let me see if I can get it back to him. Or let me see if Boone is open down low and make that pass. Chinikov is not, it, he does make passes. But I think what Johnny Gaudreau is setting him up, Igor Chinikov is, is uh, smart enough to know if Johnny's bringing it to me, I've got to shoot it. And their shots, I mean, that line, have they led in shots, I think, in the last two games since they've been put together? I mean, they're, they're not they're not shy about it. And Sillinger's the same way. He's feeding Sillinger in the high slaughter. He's feeding him right down low, and Cole's not wasting any time. He's just shooting pucks. Yeah, and I really think this is a great fit because at the end of the day, I know it, it seems very simple to say this, and obviously there's a lot more stuff that goes into it. But in theory – People would think Lana and Marchenko would be perfect line mates for a player like Gaudreau just because of their shooting ability. But at the end of the day, they're right-handed shots on the right wing, which is their offside to shoot. So it's not always as easy for them to get a quick release off and shoot, whereas Chinikov, the lefty, it's fallen right into his breadbasket, and he's just firing away. And I really like that this line shuffle is working better than I thought. Yeah. Yeah, it is good. If you mix them up enough and you uh, create enough combinations, sometimes you find stuff that works. I do like the uh, I like the mindset of it though, because you know Pascal said Cole and Chinny have chemistry, so he wanted to keep them together, and then he was just looking for somebody with uh, Johnny, and because Cole has upped his game so much, he felt justified in doing that. And the funny thing is, he likes to have two guys that can take faceoffs on each line. And I asked him about that when he made the move before the game against Seattle. I said, uh, you really don't have that on that line. You have Cole, who's done a great job of winning faceoffs. But if he gets waved out, you're kind of uh, a little bit hamstrung there, you know, where you have, um, you know, you've got the, the other lines where you've got Fantilli, um, Kent Johnson's there, or uh, Marchenko can step in and take draws. Uh, Danforth can step in on his line, all that stuff. You know, that line's a little bit different. So that was a lot of faith in the fact that those three guys were just going to have good chemistry, and it's paid off for two games. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Bob. It was a great treat after shoveling all this snow to hop on here and talk some jackets. All right, warm up and get some rest because, who knows, there might be more for you to shovel. (laughs) Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks, Troy. Appreciate it. All right, one more before we go because – This person's been waiting for a while. So uh, let's let Heather jump on just before we wrap up this special Tuesday edition of the Monday Mailbag. Hello, Heather. Hi, Bob. Can you hear me? Yep. Cool. Um, Being sick myself now, I am overly joyed more than I already was to have you back. I got to say that because I haven't gotten to talk to you all season because every time you do this, I'm working. Ah. (laughs) So, um... I had a quick question for you, and I think it's a good one to end on because it's a little bit of fun. Um, they had the fan vote for the All-Star game, and I would like to know, aside from Boone Jenner, who would you have voted to go? Adam Fantilli. And I'll I tell you exactly to- why. Because this league is all about talking about young superstars and, and promoting uh, the next generation or whatever you want to call it. I think Adam has played um, very well. I think when you look at this Blue Jackets team, 
you know, Boone had a lot of goals, and I, and I can understand why they picked him, uh, even though he was hurt. I have no problem with it whatsoever. But um, other than him, I would have sent Adam Fantilli because if I was the National Hockey League, I would like to see this guy on that kind of a stage in a three-on-three tournament. That would definitely be fun to watch. And I think we'll see it eventually, too. Yeah, yeah, maybe as soon as next year. Who knows? But um, I hope so. You know, being a, a kid from outside of Toronto, it would have been, you know, special for him to. It'll be special for him whenever he goes and wherever he goes. But, um, you know, like I said, when you're when you're picking from a team that is near the bottom, if they would have taken Adam Fantilli, I would have had no problem with that. And, yeah, if I would have had a vote um, outside of Boone Jenner, that's who I'd vote for. Cool. Great to know and good to talk to you, Bob. It's It's been a while, and it's great to actually be able to finally. Oh, well, thank you, Heather. I appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show. Don't work so much because then you can be a part of what we do here a lot uh, more often. A part of what we do here, let me think. i got to think about what is next week. Next week I'm going to be in Edmonton, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? I'm in Edmonton next week. I think we leave on Sunday. Like I've told you guys before, I I know like uh, nothing when it comes to uh, travel schedules and all that. I'm like two or three games out, and I know that we play against New Jersey on Friday, and then I think we leave Sunday. Let me take a look here. Let me look. Let me look. Yeah, the, the Edmonton game's on a Tuesday, so next week I can do this from Canada. We'll go back to our regular Monday slot, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, which will be 11 o'clock my time, or no. Yeah. No. Yes. I got, yeah. 11 o'clock. <laughs> now I can't even get time zones straight in my own head. It'll be 11 o'clock for me, but don't worry about me. Worry about you. It'll be one o'clock next Monday. We'll uh, get back to doing the Monday mailbag. I mentioned earlier, Andrew Peak is scheduled to join uh, Jody Shelley and I on tomorrow's edition of the Inside Edge. That's a show you can hear at seven o'clock tomorrow night on the flagship station of the Blue Jackets radio network. And that is 97.1 The Fan in Columbus. You can also uh, get it through the Blue Jackets app and at bluejackets.com. And if you miss it live, we will post it as a podcast afterwards, as always. The Devils are here on Friday, and then it's hot. Excuse me. See, my voice is out. Time to wrap this up. After the Devils play here Friday, it's off to Western Canada for 10 days, something like that. U.S. Figure Skating Championships are coming to Nationwide Arena, so we get booted and uh, get to go on the road for a while. But it'll be a challenging road trip. Uh, It should be a fun road trip, and hopefully the Blue Jackets can have success on that trip. But first, they need success against a divisional opponent in New Jersey here on Friday night at 7 o'clock. That's going to do it for this special Tuesday edition of the Monday Mailbag. Thanks to all of you who were a part of the show, whether you just sent your question to me on X at Bobby Mac Sports or whether you came on live on X spaces. Thanks for being here today. I do appreciate it. I'll talk to you Friday when the Blue Jackets take on the New Jersey Devils at Nationwide Arena. Until then, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.